you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn to Luke chapter 15, well-known chapter in God's Word, Luke chapter 15, we're going to read from verse 11, let us pray just as we turn together tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence, the sweet sense of your presence in this place tonight. Lord, even as we've sung that verse, my hardened heart was touched, thy pardoning voice I heard. Lord, we thank you for the day. Lord, that our hardened hearts were touched by the power of your Spirit. And we heard the still, small voice of the great shepherd. Lord, we pray tonight again, even in this gathering, as already has been prayed, Lord, that a hardened heart would be touched. Oh, God, tonight what it is to be touched by the power of Almighty God, that a hardened heart would be touched and an ear would be unstopped to hear thy pardoning voice. Oh God, tonight we pray for your help, for your anointing, for your spirit to be in this place. Lord, that you would give liberty. Lord, we pray tonight for that anointing of the Holy Ghost, that you would move, Lord, by your great power, that the oil would flow in this place tonight, Lord. Hearts would be changed and turned towards you by the power of your spirit. Lord, give us help, Lord, to preach your word. Give us ears to hear, and above everything we pray, that your name would be glorified through the preaching of your word, not only in this pulpit, Lord, but in every pulpit across this land where the gospel is proclaimed and lifted up. Would you anoint it, and Lord, would you move by your great power across this land again? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Luke 15, verse 11, very well-known parable. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son, was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, 
And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in. And therefore came his father out, and his father entreated him, or begged of him. And he answering said, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and praise the Lord is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. What an amazing parable, what an amazing story, I believe. Everyone in this building would be familiar with the story of the prodigal son. I just want to speak just for a few moments tonight on the lost son and his blind brother. The lost son and his blind brother. Here's a story of two brothers, could have been two sisters, greatly privileged, brought up. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be brought up in a Christian home? Isn't it a privilege to be brought up in a Christian home? You know, my mom testified last Sunday morning she was saved at the age of 17. I'm so glad she was. I'm so glad she was brought up in a Christian home and there, her parents brought her up in the way of the Lord. I'm glad she got saved at 17. I'm so thankful this, this tonight that she brought us up with my dad in a Christian home. No, like the prodigal son, I wondered and some of us did. But thank God all four of us tonight are saved and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that because not only that, but tonight it's a privilege that Nikki and I were able to bring our boys up. It's a privilege to be brought up in a Christian home. The grace of God's a wonderful thing. The mercy of God to be brought up in a Christian home. What a privilege that is. What a great privilege to be brought up in a Christian home. It's a story of two, two young men, could have been two young ladies who are born in the great privilege. They were in a home or in a house that they experienced the great love and the provision of their father. It's a type of our heavenly father. They experienced the great security. It reminds us of all the benefits that there are in knowing that we have a heavenly father. And through Jesus Christ, accepting him as our Lord and Savior, we come into the Father's house and all the privileges of God's great house, not the physical, but the spiritual. To know the forgiveness of sins is a wonderful thing. To be reconciled with God and to have peace with God and to experience the great love of Jesus in our hearts, Calvary's love, and to have the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. To know that there's a hope beyond the grave and to know that we have that great hope in our hearts tonight. It's a wonderful thing 
to know that great privilege and to be taught it even from a very early age on our mother's knee, on our grandmother's sofa, that we hear the stories of Jesus. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. We have a nation that has been birthed and knowing the great hand of God and the God-fearing parents and grandparents so often in the generation above us and beyond have brought their children up in the way of the Lord. And here are two sons. It tells us of two sons that went their separate ways. The first one we know is known as the lost son. He's lured away by the attractions of another world. He is baited by the enemy, enticed by the lust of his own flesh, believing that outside of the security of that home, outside of the security of the Father, that there is a better world for him, that there's more, that the grass is greener on the other side. It's a familiar story. It's a personal story. It's like a personal testimony even as I would share it tonight. And I know there's many others in the room that have been brought up well in the, in the gospel and in the things of God, but they were lured away, enticed by the world and enticed by the, 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 the pleasures of sin in this world. It's so familiar in our own wee country. There's literally thousands upon thousands of backsliders out in that world tonight that were brought up in Christian circles, went to Sunday school, went to children's meetings, went to mission halls, went to churches, brought up in the way of the Lord. But tonight, a tragedy is there's so many, so many that we know in families that are far from God. They've gone their own way. They've been enticed by the devil into that world. And now we see so many that are living that life as we did or as I did, grinding in the prison house of sin, the emptiness of that life far from God with no hope and no peace, no joy and no purpose and wallowing in sin and shame and in brokenness, the trickery of the old enemy, the devil himself, the old serpent, as he, as he latches on to the lusts of a heart of, of a man or a woman and begins to draw them slowly into the depths of sin and despair. It doesn't happen overnight. He just lures them in slowly. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of the, his own lust. The Amplified says he's baited by his own evil desire. The devil, as it were, gets a hook in that flesh or in that jaw of that man or that woman or that young person. And he begins to entice them with the desires and the lusts of this present world. He makes it look attractive. He makes it look appealing. It's appealing. He makes sin look appealing. And so then he hooks them in. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, the Bible says, it bringeth forth death. The road down for the lost son could not have been quicker. But it began with the sense of freedom and liberty. That's the deception. It began with the pleasures of sin. The Bible says that the pleasures of sin, you see, 
especially young people. Listen, at the beginning, listen, the pleasures of sin. The devil deceives into making you believe that sin is pleasurable and there is a certain amount of truth in that, but he doesn't tell you it's a poison. And there this young brother began to waste his substance with radish living. It, it says wasted his substance simply means careless with no purpose. In another sense, in the beginning, what you think has happened or what you believe has happened, and this is my own experience, at the beginning you feel that you have found freedom. All of a sudden you're free. You're free from the as it were, what you were brought up in. That you had become the reject, but now you have a sense of, I'm free to do whatever I want. There's a sense then of, I'm in that freedom that there's pleasure. But you know, it's all a deception. The devil's a liar and he's a deceiver. And his newfound freedom, he began to squander his goods. He lived it up. He partied. He went with harlots. He, dis, he was displayed, as it were, on the, on the devil's front window. That so many young people that are brought up in Christian homes today are made a fool of and they're stripped of their integrity. And the devil presents them as a mockery because they were brought up in Christian homes. Remember the verse that Jesus said that the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he's come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There's an irony in this because they begin to believe that they're free. They begin to believe that they're free. They're free from what they were under as they see it. The freedom that they're looking for has finally come. But remember what we said, sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. The Bible says when he had spent all, verse 14, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. When he had spent all, it means that he wasted it or we would say that he blew it all. There arose a mighty famine. Thank God for famines. Thank God for famines. Physically and spiritually, he's wretched. The form of the security and the provision of that father's house to the depths of the pig trough and starved. He's now finding himself in a desperate and a dark place. His sin, his sin has brought him low. Sin will take you further than you want to go. You see, all the, the fun and the games and the pleasure now is gone. Listen, I, I want to tell you very straight and honestly tonight, at the beginning, it's funny. At the beginning, there's a sense of, you know, shoulders back, chest out. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Sin has become pleasurable. We mock and we laugh at the things that we once heard about Jesus and this wonderful story of the cross. But now we sense the sense of freedom. But it's a lie. It is a lie. Now he finds himself in a deep and a desperate place. His sin has brought him low. Sin will bring you low. 
It will bring destruction into your life. Sin is an awful thing. God hates sin. That's why He hates it. It's destroyed humanity. But sin will bring you low. And there's a price to sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a payday for sin. There's a payday for rebellion. There's a payday for squandering your lot. And the devil has a hook and jaws in this room tonight. He has a hook in the jaw. And in, and in a sense, at the beginning, you know when you're reeling it in, it's like you give it a bit of slack so they still feel they're not on the hook. They can still swim free, but he has the hook in the jaw. And now he's beginning to just to wind it up. To take you deeper into sin and darkness and despair. And that's what he'll do. And this young man is brought low. He joined himself, verse 15, to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. You see, in the end, in the end, it's a very lonely and it's a very dark place. Very quickly you find in that world in the depths of sin that no man gave unto him. It's an isolated place. It's a dark place. It's an empty place. It's a place where the powers of darkness infiltrate the mind. It's a place of despair. It's a place, it seems, of hopelessness. Sin will bring you low. Sin will bring you down. Your sin, my sin. When there was no way, when all doors seemed closed, there seemed at this point, as we sang tonight, that there was a hardened heart right down into the depths of despair was touched. Just in that moment, thine eye diffused a quickening ray. Just at that time, the Spirit of God brought a touch on this young man's life. He said, I will arise and go unto my father and I will say, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and I'm not worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. My father has bread enough to spur and I perish. There's a way back from the dark paths of sin. There's a way back from the dark paths of sin. Praise the Lord. And you see this son, this younger son, who had squandered it all at the very depths of despair and in sin and in darkness and hopeless. And he'd wasted everything. You see him rising up as his heart is touched by the Spirit of God. And he rises up and the revelation comes that there is a place in my father's house for me. What a truth that is. No matter how deep we go, no matter how dark we go, no matter how deep in the sin we go, there's a place at the Father's table for you. When there seemed no way, there was one way, and there's still one way tonight, and that way is Jesus Christ. The narrow path leads home, and it's opened. It's open for all. In Luke 15 and verse 20, we see the young man rising out of the shame and the sin and the darkness and despair. 
we see that humble heart to say, I'll go back. It took humility to do that. I'll go back. But yet when he was a great way off, don't we love this verse? When he was a great way off, when he was a great way off, he didn't have to come far down that path. The Bible tells us that the Father seen him. The fa- Are you glad the Father seen you? Are you glad that his eye was upon you? Are you glad he was looking out for you? And when he was a great way off, his father seen him. And Father God had compassion upon him. And he ran. Think about it. The father ran to him. Fell on his neck and began to kiss him. And this, and the son said unto the father, Father, I've sinned. An acknowledgement of being a sinner. It's my sin. It's my shame. It's my rebellion. It's me, Lord. I've done it. I'm guilty, vile, and helpless. I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, listen, bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring in his hand. Put shoes in his feet. Bring the father's calf. Let's kill it. Let's eat. Let's be merry. For my son was dead. And praise the Lord, he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's fine. And what happened? They began to rejoice. They began to rejoice. What a day of rejoicing. What a time. For this is my son. He was dead. Don't we serve a wonderful Savior? Don't we serve a compassionate Father? For this is my son. He was dead. But praise the Lord, he's alive again. The lost son. We know the story. There's many prodigals in this room can identify with the story. Going out into that world. Enticed by their own lust. Their own flesh. Enticed by the powers of darkness. Enjoying the pleasures of sin. But for a season. Wasn't it just a season? Wasn't it just a wee season? And then we're down in the muck and the mire and the mess. But yet thank God for the great mercy of Jesus. Thank God for the great mercy of God. Thank God for the great love of God. Thank God tonight that that mercy and that grace find us, lifted us out of that mary clay, and we come back to the Father, we acknowledged our sin, and he said, here's the best robe. It's like you've never sinned. You come back. You're my son. You sit at this table. You belong in that house. That's where you belong. You know, many times when I was in that world, I'd meet men from Beaver Park, was out clubbing or doing whatever he was doing. And in the strangest thing, I could tell you, it happened dozens of times. Some of the most vilest and men that there, that there is walking the face of the earth. I mean that seriously. Some of them would grab me by the lapels in the middle of a pub at two o'clock in the morning saying, you don't belong here. Do you know, I didn't belong there, but neither did they. The great mercy of God to draw a man or a woman out of the pit of sin. You know, the devil's got hooks and some jaws tonight. The devil has. Make no mistake about it. You might think it's funny. Some might giggle. Some might think it's a laugh. But you know, the deception of the devil, the deception of the enemy, is to lure young people away from the security of the the Father, the Father God, and to lure them into that world. The lost son, he was dead. But now he's alive. 
Not only was there the lost son, but I want you to listen carefully tonight. He had a blind brother. He had a blind brother. Verse 25, it says, Now the elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard the music and the dancing, and he called one of the servants, and he said, What's happening? And he said unto him, Thy brother is, is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. Look what happened to the blind brother. The blind brother was angry. And would not go in. And the father came out. And here's the father's heart again. The father began to entreat him. Or beg of him. Or beseech him. Come in. This is wonderful news. This is our brother. This is your brother. This is my son. He's dead. But now he's alive. There's much rejoicing to be made. But he would not go in. Even though he's entreated by the father. And he answering said unto his father. Lo. These many years do I serve thee, and I have never transgressed at, thy, at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as, as soon as this son comes, which has devoured the living with harlots, you've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said unto him, Son, do you see the father standing with the blind brother? Son, thou art ever with me, and everything that I have, it belongs to you. Not just have I give you an inheritance as I divided with the younger brother, but actually everything that I have, everything that belongs to me, this is yours. It was meet that we should be merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. Look at the blind. Look at the blind son. Look at him tonight because it's important. The son who never wasted the substance, never walked out the door. And I don't believe you have to, by the way. I don't believe this thought that you have to go into the world in order to appreciate salvation. That's a lie. I tell you, the only regret I have in my life is the regret that I did go into the world I wish I'd never had. He never blew his lot on gambling. He was never really that bad a sinner. He never went out partying. He didn't sleep with harlots. He didn't live in sin and shame. He didn't bring disgrace upon the house. He stayed in the house. The tragedy of the story is that this brother was probably as lost as the other one. Think about it. He was probably as lost as the other one. He never done anything that the other did, but he never possessed. He never had a revelation, and he never possessed everything of what the Father had for him. He was a little bit like the Pharisee. He was a man that was filled with jealousy. Jealousy is crueler than the grave. He didn't like to see the, the blessings being bestowed upon his brother. He was filled with bitterness and envy. He couldn't understand it. He was self-righteous. It was all about him, his opinion, his way. He actually didn't see that everything that was in that house belonged to him. In Luke 18, it tells us of two men, verse 10, 
went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a sinner. The Pharisee stood and, and prayed thus within himself, God, I am so thankful that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this. Look at this publican here. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that he possess. And the publican standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which prayer do you think God heard? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself, he that humbles shall be exalted. Think of this elder brother standing in the field and he hears the rejoicing in the house. The younger son has come home. He's got right with God. They're rejoicing. The fatted calf is killed. The servants are called. There's a rejoicing in the house over one sinner, over one sinner that comes home. The Bible tells us all of heaven's rejoicing over one sinner. And the elder brother standing with all his pharisaical ideas, his bitterness, his jealousy, his envy, his pride, his arrogance. And he stands on the outside and the father's pleading with him, son, would you not come in? I'll not go in. I'll not be there. I'll not enter into that house. But son, come in. It's right that we rejoice over your brother that's got right. He's come home. We're rejoicing. We have much to rejoice about, saints. Much to rejoice about. But I will not come in. You know, I've never done what they did. I never slept with harlots. I didn't waste all my substance, all the substance. I, I was here all along. I was right. I was the one that was right. I stuck the course. I did it. Religion's an awful thing. Self-righteousness is an awful thing. Pride is an awful thing. Standing and saying, I'm not like them. I'm better than them. Self-righteousness is terrible. You can feel, and if you do, you're not like them. Can I tell you something there, but for the grace of God? Go I. Such were some of we. But we have been washed. It's good to be washed tonight, isn't it? Never forget the horrible pit that he dug us out of. Religion's an awful thing. Well, I never did drugs. Thank God you didn't. I never got in trouble with the cops. Thank God you didn't. You know what the tragedy was? This brother was as blind and as lost as the one that did. He never seen that he was sitting in the banqueting house. He didn't realize that the banner over him was love. He'd never came in to possess this great love. He never seen all the fullness and all the pleasures of, of what God had provided in the house of the Father. He didn't understand or grasp that in the presence of his Father there was fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
He didn't understand that there was a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was more than than a song, but it was a living reality, a possessor of the life of God. He didn't understand that as he came in every house, every night, I just picture in this, coming in every, every night to the Father's table, and on that table there was a banquet every night for him, filled with all the pleasures of what God had for him. And he came in every night, but he didn't realize that that was a table that was prepared for him. Never realized it. Sat at the table, at the table, under the canopy and the banner of God's great love, in and out and understood all things, but never became a possessor of the life of God. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he'll guide you to all truth. He'll not speak of himself. It's in John 16 and 13, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and he will show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, he shall take of mine, and he'll show it to you. Here's a lost son, a familiar story. But we rarely talk about the blind brother. He sat in meetings. He was religious. He was good living. I don't particularly like that term, to be honest. You good living? No, I'm not good living. I'm saved. So here's an older brother that was blind with the wrong spirit, with bitterness and arrogance and pride, self-righteousness, self-effort. He was blind to everything of what the father had for him. Son, do you not see this? Do you not grasp this? Son, listen. See everything that's mine. It's yours. The younger son just asked for a portion, but the older son had everything. He still couldn't see it. And many tonight sit and go through the motions. We say that often. Go to meetings and don't really realize the great privilege that we have. Don't realize the great blessing that it is. Don't understand or see that everything of what God has provided for us, it's there for us to possess by faith. There was a lost son, and there was his blind brother. Lord, we pray that you would anoint our eyes to see. The pleadings of the father to two sons, one who was lost and acknowledged his sin, one who was blind because of his own pride. He was filled with pride. Lord, tonight we pray in the name of Jesus. Give us the heart and the humility. Give us the ability tonight to humble ourselves before your throne of grace. Just like the lost son, Lord, we pray that even one in this meeting tonight would just humble their heart and would arise and come again. For we know tonight, Lord, that you're waiting and longing to restore, to close, to renew, and to revive again by your great mercy. Oh God, tonight we pray, Lord, 
even in this room, if there's one like the blind son that couldn't see it, but lived a self-righteous life in all their pride, in all their arrogance, in all their opinion. Oh God, tonight we pray as we come just afresh to the cross. Lord, strip us of everything of ourselves. Lord, we humbly bow before that throne tonight and say, oh God, have mercy. Show mercy. Draw by your great love tonight hearts to Calvary.